Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Game Store Profits. Hi, my name is Luke, and I'm addicted to Skyrim. Oh, you stole my line. I was totally going to take that. I'm Mike Perna, and I'm also addicted to Skyrim. Today is the Skyrim episode, Mike. <laughs> I am so excited, but for folks who don't know, this is the podcast that talks about God from a geek perspective. And uh, today we are talking Skyrim, one of several big games that have come out in the last, what do you say, Mike, two weeks? Oh yeah, definitely. It's We're definitely gearing up for the holiday season. And we've got, uh, well, Arkham City came out, but that was, what, almost a month ago now. Yes. And uh, so long ago. And then, of course, we had Skyrim on 11.11.11. Modern Warfare 3, just a little game that you might have heard of. And uh, now, Assassin's Creed. And you know what, Mike? I'm not playing any of them but Skyrim. Dude, Skyrim has such an epic place. Like, there's so many video games, and I've wanted to play so many video games, and there is no other video game but Skyrim right now. It's just, anytime I think about, oh, maybe I should play, no, I'm playing Skyrim, who am I kidding? So how do we get into this? How do we have a conversation about what must be the biggest game? Uh, Maybe maybe you could argue like World of Warcraft might be a bigger game. But in terms of single player console experience, has to be the biggest game in history. Oh, it's it's unfathomable how big this game is. I I was explaining to somebody that because they they made a statement that, oh, I finished the main quest. and, And I said, you know what? I I haven't touched the main quest because there are pretty much towns th- sprinkled throughout the land. Well, and even when you try, you run into stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Mike, you're playing the game on PC. Yes, I am. I- I'm playing the game on Xbox. I mentioned last week, or last show, I guess we do this every two weeks, uh, that I was going to have a bit of a problem with the release date for Skyrim. At a major event I was responsible for on 11-12-11. Did I get that right? I put all those numbers in the right order? Yes. Uh, And as it turns out, 11-11-11 was Veterans Day. Indeed it was. And I'm all for veterans, but they stopped my Skyrim mail. (laughs) And so I didn't get the game until 11-12-11 anyway. So I started... uh, the afternoon after a a major event, uh, I had been working hard for like four days prepping for this event, and I'm going to tell you something, Mike. I'm going to tell you something you're probably not going to expect and you, you might not like. Uh-oh. My first experience with Skyrim was not very good. Uh, okay, you're going to have to need to continue that story because right now I'm basically thinking you're speaking blasphemy. You know, I sat down. Uh, first off, I mean, it was that night after uh, after this event, and I, so I was super tired. And I started playing the game, and, and for those who don't know, this is not spoiling. I don't even know, how do you spoil Skyrim? I guess you kind of can, but it's like, it's like spoiling life, almost. You're just talking about your <laughs> life. And, right. Um, so you start off, and, and you're a prisoner. And uh, you are literally walking, riding to the gallows. And stuff happens. And, of course, you break away, and you're off uh, following some guys, making some choices, deciding who you're going to be, and you you kind of move along. Now, one of the hallmarks of this game is there's not pre, 
predetermined paths in terms of your character formation, in terms of where you need to go. Yes, Michael, like you said there's a, a main storyline, but but really there is no direction whatsoever. Now, I rented this game. I've actually since bought it, but it came to me from Gamefly, and one thing it didn't come with was instructions. Mm, and that there would is, be challenging. You know, unlike, say, a Fallout, right? Fallout 3, you start off uh, underground, and you move through a series of events that kind of introduce you to the game. There really is none of this. There are a couple no. of really brief on-screen instructions. In fact, I'd say another hallmark of this game is there's, there's very little by way of on-screen stuff. There's very little by way of interface. And... For a guy who was super tired, I didn't have the book, I'm rolling through it, and I stopped after about an hour, and I was just like, I have to put this aside for right now. This game is too intense, too much for me in the state that I'm in. And so my first experience was not amazingly positive. However, subsequent experiences... the next day... <laughs> Um, and you know, I had sort of had that reset, like, okay, I don't need to go follow this uh, main quest line immediately. And, um, I probably played like a work week since then, (laughs) somewhere in there. Well, Luke, as you, as you said, I have it on the PC, so I don't even have to estimate because every time I open up the, the game, it informs me of just how long I've been playing this game. Now and the number is drumroll, well, please. We, we have to we have to set the scene. Remember, you know, there's some time between us recording this and when it actually shows up. That's true. Okay, so uh, we're on. Um, let's see, uh, seven days exactly. In seven days, I have logged thirty three hours of Elder Scrolls six gameplay. hours a day, folks. Now, to be fair, to be fair, it wasn't six hours a day. It was a couple days of, oh my goodness, I did nothing else but play this game, and then the rest of my time was spent living my life like a normal human being. Uh, as I as we were talking beforehand, Luke, I, I informed you that, no, my fiancé has not been neglected, no, my youth group responsibilities have not been neglected, I have been doing everything I'm supposed to, it's just when I'm not doing that, I'm playing Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like me too. There's been a couple, my wife works until midnight, uh, so we sort of have the the opposite shift thing happening uh you know she's around in the morning and uh, i'm here to take care of the kids at night and i have to be up in the morning she's sleeping and and um yeah there have been several times she's come home from work at midnight twelve thirty, and i'm still up playing skyrim mm-hmm. and i think i probably will be for i look it's been a week and i'm not my intensity for this game is only increasing as the days go by it's i'm not getting bored I'm not feeling like, okay, this is starting to get mundane. Um, and I think I want, that's what I want to talk about, is I want to talk about this world. I want to try to figure out how we wrap our head around Skyrim. Because, look, the, the combat is fine. It's fine. It's easy. It's just press some buttons. Yeah. That's not what this is about. This is so much a living, breathing world, it it's, it's surprises me every time. Um, uh, maybe we just tell some stories of some of the things that we've experienced in Skyrim. Uh, I guess to set the stage, tell me a little bit about your character. 
Oh, I, I'm very pleased. I, I walked into Skyrim and I said, there's so much going on. Every time I've played an Elder Scroll game or even anything that comes remotely close to this, I, I have no idea what to expect from a character until I start making it. I, right. I get to my, I get to the character creation screen and then I, I just go from there. I play with it and I see what my, my options are, what options are available to me and then I just roll with it. So did your so, character have a personality built in right there at that character creation screen, or did it take a little gameplay to get there? Yes and no. Okay. Y- you you know me, Luke. I you, I yeah. have I I play characters. I don't play guys. I play characters. And so I had an idea of some of the aspects of this this guy that I wanted to put out. Um, which is really funny because uh, I actually had I I've toyed around with some short fiction involving what. I've what I've referred to as bards, and the idea of, mm-hmm. of my bards are that they are are warrior historians. They're the best fighters in the in the land, and they're the ones at the front lines of the battle. And they take quite literally history is written by the victors. My guy is totally my bard. Uh, my guy is he's currently wearing heavy armor. He is dual wielding an axe in one hand and this crazy enchanted dagger in the other nice crazy dual wielding an axe yes and he uh and when and he's and he is a recognized bard at the bards college of solitude dude see i didn't even know that there were bards and a bard college in this game combined we've played this game for let's just be fair two work weeks and (laughs) And I did not, I have not experienced that. I have not even heard of this thing that you're talking about. Yes, there's a, there's one of the capital cities that you can find. And the capital cities are, are really good in case you're getting into, uh, if, in case you're getting into Skyrim right now and you're, you're trying to figure out what the world is about, you can take little horse-drawn carts and yes, for a, a, take a modest, cart. for a modest fee, you can go from capital to capital to capital. Which is what I did fairly early on, and one of them is Solitude, which is pretty much the capital of capitals. Haven't been it, there. Didn't even really know about it because I don't have a map. Mm, mm. Yeah, Solitude is pretty much the. How do I explain Solitude? It's where the Empire lives in Skyrim. All right. It's kind of the Empire's base of operations, and uh, so. It it's a fairly well to do city. It's it's a it's a place where there are a lot of of how do I put it? It's where the snobs live. Right, it's the rich folk. Yeah. Uh one of the very first people that I talked to, oh, I I can't tell you what actually happens when you first walk into the city cuz that's a surprise that everyone needs to experience. Fair enough. But after this wonderful surprise, one of the first things that happened to me was this elf looked at me and said, if I'm going to go into the palace, I can't be dressed like that. I'd be ashamed of myself. <laughs> Did he really? That's uh-huh. awesome. Did I also mention that this elf happened to own a place Co- that clothing store? sold? Yeah. It, I love it. I love how integrated things are. You, you're never going to walk into the clothier's house and find fur shoes in his house. No, 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 no. That's no. not going to happen. You know, in the same way, I, I, keep going. Keep telling me about your character. Man, we're going to just keep. <laughs> <laughs> Must restrain. My guy, Must restrain. I, 
I, I will say, okay, my guy, I, I haven't even said his name yet. My guy's name is Thrawn Darkeye. And the reason his, I, I made his last name Darkeye is because he is, he is just, he's just dark, man. It, I didn't make him a dark elf, which would have gone to a whole new level. But uh, he's what's called Red Guard. Okay. And the, the Red Guard are these just thick warrior people kind of kind of guys, and they they literally have this reddish tint to their skin. Uh, he has these wicked looking dreadlocks and a beard that you know just screams, "I am a terrible warrior." And uh, if that if that isn't intimidating enough, Thrawn literally has black on black eyes. Nice. And so, looking out from the very typical Skyrim helmet, the one that's on every piece of video that they put out before the game came out. You have the horned helmet? Of course I do. Oh, that's awesome. And looking out from that are these two black, gleaming eyes. (laughs) And needless to say, when my boy starts coming at you, you get scared. (laughs) But uh yeah no he is he is warrior to his core. Uh there's a little bit of of rangery. I I I thought of him more as a, like a wandering warrior slash hunter cuz if he's a traveling warrior he's got to be able to feed himself. So he can use a bow. He can, you know, pick a lock if he needs to. But he's mostly I'm going to run in here and melt faces with my axe. Awesome. So, yeah. So, Luke, tell me about the person you made up. Uh, mine's a uh, character called Maladrill, and he is a wood elf. Now, as I'm creating the character, in my mind, he is a full-on woodsman. Right? Animal lore, uh, plant lore. You're a sneaky sniper that you love so well. Uh, yeah, that too. So I could add that in, right? The story opens, and you're a prisoner. And so, immediately... I changed my story. I said, all right, if he's a prisoner, I'm going to go with prisoner. Have you ever seen Gross Point Blank? Yes. I am the Wood Elf version of John Cusack in that movie. That's outstanding. Totally affable. Everybody loves me. But I will sneak into your house and kill you without any, you know, kind of uh, emotional connection to that murder. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, I've spent some time with uh, a couple of different mercenary groups and um, kind of following along those storylines. Have done a little bit of the main storyline. And uh, yeah, so I, let's just tell some stories about Skyrim. Let's let's talk about some of the things that we've seen and, and kind of try to be a little bit spoiler free. But at the same time, just because one of us sees something doesn't mean that you're ever going to see it. And, and, and there's that, not that way. As as you were explaining, the world is different depending on so many different things. Whether you've done something or not, whether you belong to this organization or that organization, the race you make your character is going to affect how people see you in town. Right. Uh, I mean, my guy being a Red Guard, the Red Guard have no real foe or boon in this area. They're just kind of travelers there. So, but at the same point, if I was a Nord, which is the the main race of people that inhabit Skyrim, if I was a Nord, everything would be different. Yeah. If I was an Imperial, oh my goodness, the people would hate me. Unless I was in a place like Solitude. Right. 
And so even if you, you think, oh my, I'm, you know, I, I've, I've given away so much, you haven't because you change some things and everything starts to change. Well, and one of the, but, one of the, the sort of examples of that is you and I immediately, when we started on the connection today, we're like, what are you going to do for your second character? Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, I, you play differently, play a different character, go different directions, and it's going to be a completely different experience. And, and so I've already got that second character going in the back of my mind. Like, what happens if I make this decision? Well, I could make this other decision, and what would where'd that get me? Well, and you also realize that there are certain things that you're not going to be able to see unless your character is like this. Right. Like, in one of the cities, there's, you know, like I said, my guy became a, a, an applicant of the Bard College. There's also a Wizard's College. Right. I have no idea what happens there. Yeah, me neither. I, I have my a guy has, that says go there, but I don't do magic very much. My guy has nothing to do with magic, other than he knows a heal spell. Right. Other than that, he knows no magic. Yeah. Oh, dude, get the transmute smell. Get the transmute spell. It's awesome. I will take your word for that. Mm. Turn, uh, turns iron but, to gold. It's all about the alchemy. See, nice. I, I, my guy's all full on alchemy, so you but, figure uh, the whole poison maker thing. Absolutely. The, here, well, here's one thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, Luke, is just, as we were explaining, from right from the get-go, you have the option to try and go through quests and other things that pretty much throw your allegiance with one group or another. Yeah. And it's not and, easy to determine which one you want and it, it ranges with. it ranges from major political powers in the area all the way down to I'm going to join this tiny little organization that's in this town. Right. So, Luke, I'll I'll, t- I'll, I'll say mine eventually, but what I want to, I'll, are there any little organizations that your guy has kind of thrown his hat in with? Well, the Dark Brotherhood, they're the assassins. I knew you were going Dark Brotherhood. Right. And then also the Companions. Uh, again, that whole, I love that whole the companions. mercenary thing. I haven't, I haven't uh, decided, and I don't think I'm going to between the stormcloaks and imperials. Stormcloaks are a rebel group. Uh, imperials are well, they're imperials. They're in charge. Um, <laughs> and you know, there could be a few other groups that I've kind of connected with here and there, but uh, none of them are coming to mind at the moment. Um, I will tell you this: the uh, the Dark Brotherhood. Dude, that is dark. <laughs> oh, no, I, here's, here's one thing, you know, you want to talk about stories. I was wandering through this town and I go, oh my, oh, there's this little icon that shows up that says there's something over the hill here. And I go, well, I like exploring. Let me go to whatever's that thing over the hill here. And I find a door. It is a black iron looking door. Oh, so you came to the Dark a, Brotherhood Sanctuary. W- it, it was a skull with a a palm print on it on the the front of it, and then I walk to the door and this and the whisper. As, as I walk to the door, like you just hear these drums thumping, and I'm like, "What am I walking into?" So the very first thing I did was hit save. <laughs> I have a lot of saved games, <laughs> and 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 then the, I walk up to the door and I, I you know I try to open the door and it's like like what is the best what is the greatest illusion in life and I'm like. I have no idea. <laughs> and apparently my guy didn't know either because he, he answered with, um, the one where a guy saws a lady in half is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not kidding either. That's actually one of the choices you can pick. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the storytelling in this game, especially for the the, the uh, quests that are sort of 
I don't know if randomly generated is the right word, but not the big ones, right? The ones that are just some dude needs help with something. Right. The storytelling is excellent. Oh, man. I There are some wandering bums, because yes, there are bums in pretty much every capital city. There are some wandering bums who have more interesting storylines than I ever thought would ever see in it's a game. It's incredible to me how fleshed out this is. So I'm standing in an inn, right? Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, I mean, first off, the game's got an extraordinary score. Just amazing. Yeah, Every place has its own unique sound. It's all kind of got that sort of Celtic vibe because it's the Nords, the Viking kind of thing. But I'm standing in an inn, and there's this beautiful music going on in the background. And then all of a sudden, I hear singing. An actual woman's voice singing. And you listen to the lyrics, and they are, they're like legit lyrics about this dark elf's struggle with living in Skyrim amongst the Nords who are notoriously... Oh, if there's one thing you figure out quick, it's that Nords hate elves of any variety. Right, I'm a wood elf. So they're notoriously racist. And she's singing this song, and I turn and look, and there's actually somebody with a lute performing, singing this song. No. This is amazing. I love this game. No, I will tell you. That if you're wandering through, especially they they hang out in taverns and everything like that, which makes sense, but there are traveling bards, which is how I heard about the Bard College. And you can literally walk up to these bards and and throw them like 25 gold and say, can I make a request? And you can request songs. And they will stop and sing them for you. And they're legit songs. They are. I mean, it's not like top forty stuff, but it's like no, they're legit songs about the history of the world. It's so amazing. So a couple, uh, a couple stories. For first one, I was I'd finished my first little hole in the ground, right? Uh huh. And I get out of the hole and I think, okay, do I really want to walk all the way back? I could just fast travel, right? You can fast travel to places that you've already seen. And I decide, no, I don't want to fast travel. I'm going to just walk. So it's dusk. I turn the corner, walk around a little hill, and there is a massive mammoth graveyard. Lovely. Like, because I didn't fast travel, I just decided. And as far as I know, that ma- that mammoth graveyard has no role in the game other just than just to be awesome. Did you happen to come across a giant? They tend to hang around those. Yeah, well, I have come across giants uh, hurting mammoths. Yeah, giants are awful. I hate the... I fear giants more than I fear dragons at this point. Oh, dude. And have you come across the uh, the trolls yet? Yes. Dude, trolls are gnarly. What level is your character? Uh, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> He's in his 20s, I know okay, that. Okay, see, I'm in my, my mid-teens. And so, uh, this is not... Spoiling, everybody who knows anything about this game knows it, that you are dragonborn, which means you have this in, in your blood, you have the ability to use the dragon language to do things that dragons do, breathe fire, breathe ice, that kind of thing. And uh, you find out about this, and obviously this is a big deal. And from when you find out about this, uh, there is... A booming voice from heaven that says, come. 
And there is a group of scholars who want the to graybeard. The graybeard. They want to tell you about what it means to be dragonborn. And to do this, you have to climb the seven thousand steps. And I think there's probably literally seven thousand of them. I didn't a, count, but there are an awful lot of them. Because it is a long climb. So I'm like level five, right? At the time this happens. Wow, you went up there at level five. I was up there significantly later. And so I am climbing, and this, and, and uh, you know, you've already brought down a dragon at this point. Okay, you can't get this until you've brought down a dragon. So I've killed the dragon. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling my oats, so to speak. <laughs> and I am climbing up this hill, and when all of a sudden, a frost troll jumps off the mountain, and just comes after me. And literally just works me over. I end up having to run down the mountain. And, <laughs> you know, that's the thing, right? A normal game would have made it possible for you to continue the main storyline. This game, it's like, sorry, there's a frost troll that lives there. And if you and can't deal no- with him... Too bad. <laughs> he ain't he ain't going anywhere unless you kill him. He lives there. That's his home. <laughs> and uh, just amazing. Amazing how integrated the world is. Um, well, you got gonna, any stories there, for us, Mike? Oh, I've got... Oh, are you kidding me? I, I have so many stories. Insane. Um, but one of the things, before I get into the story, I want to talk about, uh, at one point, it's not going to be a spoiler, because I won't tell you how you do this, but basically you impress this one guy who's pretty much, he, he's called a, a Jarl. He's pretty much the, one of the guys in charge, one of the yeah, local bigwigs. Yeah, he's like a baron or something like that. Right. And and the Jarl is so impressed, he names you what's called a thane, which is like the under, you, right. know, I, you know, I don't know about how the hierarchy works in, in regular terms, but basically my guy became a big deal. And so this Jarl decides he's going to give me, in, in using a, yet another fun word from this game, a house carl, right? The ha- a house carl is basically someone whose job it is to defend you and your property. So there's this woman. Her name is Lydia, and she is now my house carl. She's the woman who hangs around. I currently have her decked out in heavy armor with a with a two handed axe, and uh, she is hilarious because every once in a while, one thing that you'll discover is that you can only carry so much. Right. It is a serious annoyance. But it it's is a serious really annoyance that is important and has always been part of the game and right. is necessary. So when you have a little person, you know, a, a person in tow who is going to pretty much defend your honor, you look at them and say, hey, I want this, but I can't carry it, so can you hold on to it for me? So, one of the options when you talk to her is, I need to trade some equipment with you. When you look at Lydia, your house, Carl, your person who's, who is, who her job is to help you out and to protect you and to guard your stuff, she looks at you and when you select, I need to trade equipment with you, says, I am charged with bearing your burdens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she hates the fact that this is part of her job. <laughs> I love that about this game. Like, yeah, yeah, I can do that for you, you jerk. <laughs> uh, very much do all of these characters, all of these, even, you know, the NPCs, even minor players, 
have personality. Uh, kind of a, a connected issue to your house, Carl, and to all of the followers you can get because you can hire people. People will help you just because they're nice or because you did something good for them. Or because you kick their butt in a bar in a barroom brawl. There you go. Um, if you are playing as a super stealthy assassin, don't bring them along because they're not. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> You're trying to be all slick and hide out in a bush, and your guy comes running through. I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> so, so Mike, you're you're in your twenty levels twenty here. Uh, yeah. You've clearly come across a couple of dragons. I've come across several, actually. Okay, so a couple of things uh, about the dragons. Um, one, uh, the experience when the dragon shows up, yeah, is so visceral. I, you're walking along, and I don't know how they do it. Uh, you know, I'm using an Xbox. I'm I'm on the Xbox controller, so I don't know what it's like on the PC. But on the Xbox controller, you literally can feel the wind of the wing flaps over yeah. you. Before you hear the thing, before you see it, you feel the disturbance in the wind. You turn and see this giant dragon oftentimes ravaging everything around you, and you have to go fight this thing. Now, you're a <laughs> melee fighter, so you've got, at least I can just run and hide and shoot the thing with my bow, but you've got to run up to these dragons, and this is what I love from a good boss fight, because it's not unfair. You know, normally no. with a boss fight, it's something, you know, like, I, I hate being a sniper and sniping the boss in the head. And having them just shake it off. Yeah. I, I hate that. The dragons are super powerful, but they're, they play by all the same rules as everything else in the game does. So, Mike, I, here's my question for you. Have you run into two dragons at once yet? I haven't, and I'm terrified. Well, technically I have. One was kind of hovering around as one was raised from the dead. Oh, see, I haven't had that experience yet. <laughs> That was, oh, that was something truly epic, when all of a sudden this dragon is speaking to this dragon tomb, and a dragon, I you watch these bones come up from the ground, and then flesh comes back on them, and then you have to fight it. <laughs> so, but no, that the, the other dragon kind of took off, and I didn't have to fight two at once. I don't know what I would have done if I fought two at once. You know what I did? Loaded. What did you do? Because <laughs> they killed me. Nice. And one of them was a named dragon at that. Uh, nice. Yeah, there are different kinds of dragons. Some just say dragon. In which case, you're going to beat that dragon down. All by yourself, no problem. You're going to take out that I've, dragon. Lately, I've been seeing blood dragons. Blood dragons. These are not so pleasant. And no. then there are named dragons. And named dragons just kill you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am not... There are uh, 50 levels in this game, and I'm guessing that you need to be closer to 50. Then you are to 15 is where I'm at uh, before you start taking on the name dragon. So just stay well, away from them. Yeah, and there are so many other things that you just come across. And I'm trying to keep mental notes of these things that I have to come back to later. Like, I found this epic dwarven ruin. Oh, have you? See, I haven't gotten any dwarven ruin ruins yet. Oh my goodness. Luke, you know my passion for all things steampunk. Yeah. Yeah, and I hear it's the, a unique take on steampunk, too. The dwarves in this game have fashioned 
all sorts of steam-driven buildings and magically-powered creatures. Oh my goodness, the dwarves are amazing. My guy is currently wearing almost entirely dwarven armor just in admiration for dwarven mm-hmm. craftsmanship. But but uh, let me reiterate this point. I've played for 30 hours, and I have not seen Solitude, and I have not seen a Dwarven Ruin. In fact, I haven't even heard tell of either of them in-game. I know about them because it's hard not to know about these things with the internets and with people talking about it, but I haven't seen them in-game. Right. There are huge portions of the world I haven't even been to yet. Uh, You know, I think I played for two or three days before I even really left the starting area. Yeah. The game is huge. So, I'm, uh, just today, uh, I have to go and find a horn, something, I don't know. Um, and so I get to the little hole where this thing is located, and I go into the hole. Oh, I know where you are, okay. And... I realize that there are an awful lot of dead bandits around the end of this hole, which is not a good sign. Right? I prefer to be the one doing the bandit killing. If there's something in there that's killing the bandits, it means it's stronger than the bandits, which means I have to kill something stronger than the bandits. So I get into this hole, and pretty immediately you realize whatever's going down here, it's got something to do with alchemy. Because there's all kinds of alchemical stuff, there's alchemical books... There's ingredients, which are really cool for me as an alchemist. I don't have to go find this stuff. It's all there for me. And you start to realize that in addition to the draugers, uh, in every hole in the ground in Skyrim, there are draugers. They're essentially, what, mummies? Uh, zombies? They're undead. They're undead Nord is what they're Right, they right, right. They're undead. They're, I go in there, and I realize that there's somebody fighting with one of these draugers. It is, of course, a bandit. Right? So I get in there, and the bandits are fighting the draugers. And this is nice for me. I'm kind of watching, wait to see until they get weak, and then just snipe them down. down. And then I see a brightly colored flash come flying in and nail one of the bandits. I think, whoa, they must have some draugr liches, some rights. No, it's the necromancers. Ah, yes. The necromancers want the same thing that I do. So... There are the Draugrs that are protecting the thing, there are bandits who are trying to steal it, and there are necromancers in there trying to understand its power while I'm going in there to try to capture the thing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. (laughs) That sounds about right. Everybody in this world is living their life. Really, without any care at all, what you're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's the significant thing here is most games you're not only the hero you are the not only the center of the story you are the whole story right right? and everything revolves around you here you really just feel like you're a part of a world that's happening well and that's a, a lot of it happens that way because you're walking through town and suddenly you'll hear people talking if you keep walking you have no idea what they're talking about However, if you stop and listen, there's often these epic storylines that are getting unveiled. Now, there have been times, I'm not going to lie, where I've been busy on, like, the 15th quest from this town, and I don't care. And so I just walk by. 
And then there'd be times where, like, I'll hear something out of the corner of my eye. I hear something out of the corner of my eye. I'll hear something just kind of off to the side. Out of your surround sound speakers? Yeah, I wish I had surround sound speakers. But just just kind of just off in the distance, I go, well, what the heck was that? And I'll double back, and I'll hear these people talk about, you know, oh, we lost this mine, and they're, you know, they're Forsworn who have taken over the mine. And I'm like, well, I can help with that. I've killed Forsworn before. So, I mean, it's just, oh, it's so amazing. Yeah, it, but, it really is. Um, so, I, okay, why don't we, we come up with a couple of not, hints, guides, a little wisdom for the players wisdom? of Skyrim. So I got the first one, since I'm just okay. springing this on you. Okay. My first piece of advice is look up. <laughs> Explain that. There are lots of ways you could go with that, but explain that one for me. So, when you're in a hidey hole down there, look up. There's stuff on the roof. There always is. When you're outside, every once in a while, look up. Because there might be a dragon that's going to come eat you. And you can see them from a long way. Oh, dude. Standing on top of High Hrothgar at the top of those 7,000 steps... You, I, it's probably even better on your PC than it is on my Xbox. It It's pretty, I'm not going to lie. But you look out over this world, and you're in this windswept, snow-swept place. You look out, and you can see just the vaguest shapes of places that you've been or places that you need to go. And you're just like, this is... I, there are moments that you're like, ah, oh, this is pretty, I'm just going to sit and watch. And then a dragon yep. comes. And then a dragon comes. But look up. First piece of advice. All right. Um, a piece of advice that I would give is pay attention to the music. Yes. There are many reasons to pay attention to the music. Like I said, the minute I walked up to the the uh, the Dark Brotherhood door, like there were drums. Like I could tell that things were weird. Something was out of the ordinary. Um, My wife would be ma- sitting in the other room and saying, "Ah, something's gonna happen." that's true it's so true but the main reason i bring that up is because eventually you start learning these shouts Mm -hmm. and the way you learn new shouts is by physically by physically finding them written on the walls of these dungeons and they are easy to miss the way you can tell that there's a word if is because you start hearing this like this deep rhythmic Norse kind of chanting. If you get a little closer than that, the lights start to get dim. You get a little closer than that, you actually see the words start to glow on the wall. But the first time you know that there's a word that you're going to learn is because you hear that that deep, that thumping. So definitely listen to the music. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think a, like a corollary to that is if you are in a dungeon... Just because you finish whatever it was that you were down there to do, keep going. Don't cut. Yeah, don't un- turn around. There'll be a back door. Don't turn around and go back. Go un- find until, the back door until you until you see that word clear on your map. Right. You're not done. You're not done. <laughs> that's a, that's a good piece of advice. Right there. Um, my next piece of advice: buy a house. Yes. Buy a house. You need a place to stick your stuff. I have one in or white. Or steal a house, I suppose, if that's your vibe. Nice. All right, my turn again. Um, here's one. I'll I'll do this one. Be careful about when you buy a horse. 
<sighs> Stupid by, ice wolves. By that sound effect, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Stupid ice wolf ate so, my horse. I, I, you know, I was very new to the game, and all of a sudden I walk and go, oh, white run stables have been discovered. Stables means horses. Oh, look, one's got a saddle on it. This has, this has potential. This guy looks at me and says, for a thousand gold, I'll sell you a horse. I said, absolutely, I want a horse. Why would I not want a horse? And for, a, for a decent stretch of time, the horse was a wonderful companion. However, what you gotta realize is, is that, like we've said before, everything is real-ish in this game. <laughs> As in, if you're, if you are riding along, and a bunch of wolves, or a bandit, or a bear, or a dragon comes upon you, and you get off your horse, your horse is still in this fight. And the things are stupid and don't run away. And if, pray tell, a bandit, let's just call, say it's the bandit, shoots it with an arrow. The horse does not run away, the horse gets mad. And starts chasing after the bandit. Which is fine if, if there's only one of them. If there's only one of them. Yeah. If it's there a are brigade. If there are five of them, your horse is dead, and all you have to show for your thousand gold investment is a little bit of horse meat in your bag. <laughs> you harvested your horse. <laughs> I want to reiterate that horse was a thousand gold. So yes, my I would say be very careful when you buy a horse. Uh, so speaking of harvesting your horse, have you done any crafting? My guy is a smith of like no other. Is. My guy has spent ridiculous amounts of time smithing. He can make he can now make elven armor and dwarven armor and scale armor. He is learning he's going to learn orcish armor next. And it's a hard decision to make. Because all of those, the ability to, uh, does it, to get those new, new armor types. Yes, it requires smithing over and over and over again, but it also requires distributing your perk points. Yes, and you only and get fifty perk points throughout yeah. the game. And I'm kind of a freak about these perk points, man. Well, here's here's one thing I've, and this is where where us being character players comes into play because it comes to what is your guy good at? Your guy can't be good at everything. So you have to narrow it down. Like my guy has most of his points in one handed weapons. There's a couple points in two handed weapons. He has a couple points in light armor and he's picking up heavy armor now that he can actually wear heavy armor. That's worth wearing. Magic, not a single point. Me neither. Speech, sneak, all that stuff, not a single point. My guy is all about, how do I fight it? How do I make stuff that'll help me fight it better? <laughs> and, he has a, and he has a couple points in speech because, like I said, he's a bard. That's that's where my guy is. He's learning how to use every weapon at his at his disposal. However, he doesn't have any points in archery, and he's just learning how to hit, he's learning how to kill things better. 
at some point I'm going to make, I don't know if it's going to be the next character I make or, or the third character I make or the 12th character at this point. But at some point I'm going to make a mage. Yeah, my next character is going to be a magic user. But here's the big thing. Mages are broken down by schools. Right. Destruction, restoration, illusion, all this stuff. They're all different types of spells. Conjuration. You could make four different mages. Each mage focusing on a specific school of magic. I The, the possibilities are insane. They, that they are. This is very much like having World of Warcraft in your hands to play single player. Without having to worry about obnoxious teenagers coming right. to steal your stuff. Right. You know, and for me, that's an... I mean, this is... This might be, like, the pinnacle of video gaming. I haven't played it long enough to decide that yet. But this is what I love. This is what I want to do. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. And we talked about this a little bit a couple of episodes back. There is a little bit in terms of the visceralness of the the, the fighting system. At first, you're going to feel like this is fine. It's you know, swing, 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 or shoot, 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 and that's about it. But as you develop your perks in your <laughs> uh, in your particular oh. weapon. I got keep talking. I got a good one after you're done. It becomes you really master that weapon, and by doing very subtle, little different things, you become serious, hardcore, like murderer, <laughs> and uh, you know, or warrior, however you're playing your particular character. But but for me, really what it's mostly about is this incredible knowledge that there is more game here than I can remember. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, at the moment, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. And, it, you know, you have the tendency just to take every quest because they're there. But like you said, man, sometimes they're just not interesting to you. Or even better, they wouldn't be interesting to your character. Right. So just don't do them. Well, I, I picked there. up. I picked up this thing. I, I I was walking through, and I had to kill this wizard or something. I forget. I even forget what the quest was. But uh, sitting on this table was this thing called an unusual gem, and I'm like, well, it's got the word unusual right there in the in the name of it. I have to pick this up. Well, I pick it up, and then it starts a quest, and the quest says, you know, find somebody who can appraise the unusual gem, and so. Okay, so I go to one of the capital cities, and there's, oh my goodness, there's this guy who can appraise my gem, and so I do, and he says, and basically this leads me to, yeah, you know who's the only person who's going to know anything about that gem? The head of the Thieves Guild. And they're not going to do anything with it unless you become a member of the Thieves Guild. And I'm like, my guy wants nothing to do with the Thieves Guild. So there's a whole quest line that I can't see with this guy. Well, and it's more than a quest line. Like, I mean, I think it's possible that you could do everything with one character. It would be annoying and painful, but there's no reason to. And you know, talk, tell, tell me about your, tell me what you were going to say about uh, the combat system before I, well, I make our transition here. Yes, um, my thing about the 
you, you know how you said that when you use certain things, you get better at them and you start doing amazing things. Right. Um, like I said, my guy's dual wielding, and at one point he was dual wielding axes, but now he's got an axe and a and a, a dagger that looks more like a short sword than a dagger. So, I put a point in one handed thing, one handed fighting, that pretty much that I will one point that's called dual savagery, which means I do massive damage if I'm using two weapons. And then I picked another point in this thing that said, "You're." Powerful strikes do 25% more damage. And then right next to that it says, and your blows have a chance of decapitating people. Oh! And I said, well, that's lovely. Well, one point, like, one thing you discover with the the fighting system is, is if you're using a savage blow or whatever they call it, the powerful strike, you, every once in a while, the screen kind of pulls out and you watch in slow motion as your guy does what he does. I don't get that. Well, you will. No. I'm a super insane, I will kill you from a distance with one shot player. Okay, then you won't get this, but yeah. I do. And this is some. This is a reason to have melee combat, because it's uh, epic. You're right. At one point, my guy took his axe, cuts the guy at his legs, the guy falls to his knees, my guy takes his axe and his dagger and lops the head off. And I was sitting there going, wow, my guy's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there is a really awesome mix of, wow, my guy's amazing, and oh my goodness, I'm getting schooled. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. I When I walked into that dwarven ruin, <laughs> I, got all the, I got all the way through it. I got all the way to the end of the dwarven ruin. And then all of a sudden, there's I'm just watching, I'm just looking as this, what looks like a giant suit of armor is hanging from this structure, and I'm like, "That's not oh, this good. Is gonna, this is going to be bad. That's not good." I walk into the room, and all of a sudden, steam starts to hiss from every angle of this thing as it drops to the ground and proceeds to slaughter me. <laughs> and that, that's why I've decided at some point I need to go back there, but that time is not now. No. Well, and what's cool is it won't respawn. No. That it's not. It is a world. If you kill somebody, they're dead. They're not coming right. back. Right. Which, for an archer, can also be a bit of a problem. <laughs> you get to walk up to somebody, and if they turn on you with a weapon drawn, you know they're a bad guy. Kill them. I have to kind of try to decide based on circumstantial evidence. <laughs> oh, and... Because once and, that arrow flies, most everybody's going down. This is one thing that I will say... Uh, you have to be a little leery about NPCs in this game. Because, one, strange things happen. Like, I got into a drinking contest with a guy in a tavern and found out I was the, basically the drunken plaything of a Daedric god, god of destruction and, and nastiness. That is so amazing. Which, um, Which, I'm not going to tell you all the stuff that you find out about that, because I want you to. If you're walking through a bar and a guy says, I have this special beer. I you want? Do you want to have a drinking contest? Your answer is yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> but um, I it there's just I I walked into this cave and I was helping the, the the kill these these horrible little I don't even know how to describe them. They're hag ravens. You can kind of put a picture 
on what the word Hagraven sounds like. And yes, you're probably right. And so there's this guy in a cage and he's like, oh, they've, they've caught me. You know, I'll help you. I'll, I'll help you finish off the rest of them. So I let the guy go and all of a sudden I see Bandit Marauder. Yeah, and he looks at me, he says, on second thought, I think I'll kill you and steal all your stuff. So you can't really trust anybody. <laughs> no, you really can't trust anybody in this game. These people are bad people. Bad people. But, man, I, the more you describe it, the more you talk about things that you've engaged with that I haven't engaged with. And I don't think it's because you're just higher level than I am. I think it's just because you're off doing different things. Right. Um, man, it makes me want to play the game. Oh, and there's so much stuff that, like, like my guy's never going to see the Dark Brotherhood. Your guy is. Right. I want you, to make it. Oh, and it's such an amazing storyline, too, so. And there's all sorts of stuff. I know Luke and I, after we get done recording and after we sign off with you guys, Luke and I are probably going to spend the next half hour to an hour talking to each other about all the stuff we can't tell you guys without feeling guilty. Right. <laughs> so. There's so much stuff to see. There's so much stuff to do. I, I I told somebody the other day that I'm happy because I've bought Skyrim, and even though I'm in saving money, getting married mode, I'm going to be set for video games for the next couple of years. Serious. Serious. Let's not even talk about DLC. Right. At some point, there's going to be DLC for this, and I'm guessing it's going to be just as huge. Um, but, you know, Mike, we're coming up on the hour mark. Believe it or not, we've been talking for 55 minutes about Skyrim already. It's, no, it's not. There's a reason why we called it the special Skyrim episode. Uh, but I do <laughs> I do want to make that switch. I, I do want to talk about, for me, what the lesson is. Yes. Right? And, and I don't think this is, I mean, we, I don't think this is pushing the idea. I think, for me, this is what the lesson is. We've talked for an hour now about this game, two characters playing this game, and we've had, I would say, what, at least 75% divergent experiences? Oh, yeah. In the game, yes, there's there's some overlap because there's a main storyline, but, you know, so often in life, and, and my, you, you're a youth pastor, so you really maybe experience this a little bit more viscerally than I do, but, uh, you know, so many of us just, we want to find the common path and, and walk it. Right. We want to do the same things our friends do. We want to believe the same way that the people around us believe. We want to act and vote and work and buy and do everything that the people around us do because it's a comforting feeling. It's good to know that the people around you think the way that you think. But, you know what? God's given us a great big world. And he's made each of us an individual character in that world to go and to experience it the way that you were made to experience it. And maybe that means that you head off in a direction where some of your friends think, you're insane. Why are you doing that? And you know what? Because that's your story. That's your game. And, you know, that is really the joy of life. When you know that you're doing your thing. And, you know, I think for me, that's the lesson from Skyrim. Well, I, I think there's a lot that can be said about that. There's a lots of different things you can branch off about that, too. And one of the things that I love, before the game came out, I was watching a developer's video that they put out. And it was like a 20-minute video. And at one point, he's walking through, and he sees this mountain off in the distance. Now, normally when you're playing video games, there are places you can't go. Right. 
and you, there are background images. There are things. There's just he looked. He took a point to he, as his character was walking around. He took a point to stop, look at the mountain, and say, "No, no. If you see it, you can go there." Hmm. Yeah, and that's awesome. and that's some that's something that I've discovered in this game. If you see a place, if you're curious about a place, you have the ability to go there. You just have to go there. And a lot of times, you know, there's so many things when it comes to our own our own walk with God that, you know, we sit there and, and contemplate how difficult it's going to be or or there's no way we could ever possibly do that. And, you know, with this game, you just, you go, you get up and you do it. And you might have you you might go and find out there's a ice troll and you have to run back and come back at a, a later time, or you might go there and find out that there's a city up there that's been waiting for you to show up. Uh, you, and you don't know until you've actually gone over there and tried it and gone there. Mm. So I mean, in as far as a a real life uh experience right now, I've been I've been helping push this thing, and I, I part of me wants to to push it on our podcast, but by the time we get this going, I don't know if this contest is still going. Uh, but my friend Katie pretty much founded a charity. Now, I met Katie in high school. She's a year younger than me. And back then, we were both idiots for Jesus. Like, we, we both wanted to serve God, but neither one of us knew exactly what that looked like. But for me, it, it was more about ministry. For her, she founded a charity called More Than Me. And they're trying to get money right now because more than me pretty much helps their, their focus right now is helping girls in Liberia who are pretty much on the street go to school. Like they have a hundred different girls right now who are in school completely paid for by their charity. And it pretty much was Katie just uh, you know, you can go on her, her website and see all the stuff, but it was pretty much, she went on a missions trip, she met these kids, and these kids said it, the best way to help us would be to help us go to school. And so she founded a charity, and now because of this charity that she founded, there's a hundred kids who are off the street, some of them taken out of child prostitution, because Katie said, I'm gonna help these kids go to school. And you know, the big thing is just she saw that the need needed to be met and she just said, I'm going to go there and try it. Mm. And it's the same spirit that you get playing this game. It's the same spirit that, you know, God said, you know, God says, you know, I'm going to give you this desire and I want you to go through it. I want to do great things through what you're going to do here. So it's it's I don't know. There's definitely this spirit of of you're only going to do it if you if you look at it and you say I'm going to go there. I'm going to explore, I'm going to be a part of this and I'm going to make things happen. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up the show for today. Mike, how can folks find out a bit about you? Uh the biggest place to find me is at tinkerstory.com. It pretty much has links to everything else. Uh I'm on Facebook, I am on uh Twitter. I have two different Twitter accounts, Shadow of Cyrano for me and my discussions about life and godliness, and uh, Von Klockwerk is my fictional character about my little steampunk mechanical man, if you want to hear more about the the world of steampunk and the story that I'm making because of it. Uh, Luke, what about you? Well, you can find me, uh, best place is just go to Twitter, at Luke Navarro, L-U-K-E, 
N-A-V-A-R-R-O. To find out more about this show, you can go to GameStoreProfits.com or Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. And so, folks, remember that God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.